And welcome to a March Madness special edition of Keeping It Orange and Blue. I'm Ryan Evan, joined as always by Kevin Ducey. What's up, Kevin? What's up, Ryan? And uh, we got a super special show for everybody tonight. Super excited to have uh, a, a great guy. Jason, JBR Bracketology on Twitter has been gracious enough to join us, even as a, a Terp fan coming into Illinois water. But, you know, I don't know that there's enough hate there between the two schools to cause any problems. So, uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us, man. <laughs> thank you for having me. No, it's it's good. I love, talk, I love talking Big Ten basketball. I love March Madness. Love this time of year. Illinois hasn't beaten Maryland enough to be a rivalry. So, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so... If for any of the people, you know, you see how Michigan fans treat us, Illinois fans, like we're just low caliber people. I mean, come on, we allowed, we graciously had you on this show. I mean, if we were so terrible, we would not be even considering having you on here with as great as you are. So, I mean, I think we should get some kudos for that. Thank you. You are, <laughs> yes, you do. Absolutely. So, so Jason, um, Give us a little, like, for the viewers here, you know, I've been following you for a little bit. I think you do a really fantastic job. As a matter of fact, we spoke pre-show about how, I mean, I was almost unaware that you were a Terp fan uh, because I think you do a really nice job objectively of, of putting out your brackets. And how, how, what got you into it? How long have you been doing it? Um, have you kept track of your accuracy? Just, just share with the fans a little bit about your background and how, how you got to where we're at now. So I started it the first time in 2020. Um, that was the year Maryland ended up in a three-way tie for first place in the Big Ten. But I kept thinking that, or I kept feeling like Maryland was being underseeded by bracketologists. And so I kind of got into it myself. I wanted to see what they were seeing as to why, uh, why Maryland was, you know, more on the three or four line as opposed to the two line. So that's what kind of first got me into it. Now, unfortunately, in 2020, we ended up not even having a tournament. So we never even got to see where, where, where anyone got seated. Right. Um, and then kind of continued from there um, into 2021, but then didn't, I did not start the JBR Bracketology Twitter account until last year. Um, and then, you know, last, last year was the first year I was, I was probably legitimately in it from, from day one all the way through selection Sunday. Um, and then, you know, my score of 357, which you can use to compare uh, to other bracketologists is certainly above average. <laughs> I, I would say well above average. It, it's definitely near, near the top. And, uh, you know, I made some tweaks based on what the committee did last year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I will do even better. Like, like I said, like I told and you guys before this, my, my one big screw up was a 16 seed. So hopefully I, I don't do that next year. Or this okay. year. <laughs> I tried to do you. Uh, I tried to do you justice, and I posted, you know, 67 of 68 correct last year, and then 66 of 67 on the seed lines. Um, everybody, you can follow him at JBR Bracketology on Twitter. Um, so we obviously wanted him on because he, he, he's legit. I wouldn't have had anyone on here who was – if I if it was as good as me and my picks, I mean, then we wouldn't have had you on here. But so uh, – <laughs> I want to say Ryan, like I, I know I know who Jason missed last year it was was A and M, right? That's not a bad. That's not a bad miss. They should though. have been in. They should have I, been. I, in. It's still one of those ones. Everybody's kind of looking around, like how did how did Rutgers get in over A and M? They, I, I, was, they, was should, they the, should have gotten in. 
Was that the flip? Was it Rutgers A and M for you last year? Was that the team? That uh, got no, I had Notre Dame out. Um, yes. Even though even though Notre Dame went fifteen and five in ACC, I think they were four and nine versus quads one and two. I mean, they just had no quality wins at all. And what it just, do you think was in the committee's mind when they chose put Rutgers in? What do you think metric wise were they looking at? Because I mean, that this is what you do. So the, the kicker for Rutgers was, as of Selection Sunday, they had five Quad 1A wins, which is the top half of Quad 1. I think that that was tied for third most in the country. I mean, it was just an extremely high number for a team that was uh, finished in the 70s of net. I mean, it was absurd. But that's, yeah, yeah, that's the only reason they got in. They won at Mackey, if I recall correctly. Um, when, I hear, when I hear you talk about Notre Dame, um, speaking of the ACC, that sounds a little bit familiar to Pittsburgh to me right now and maybe what they're looking at. But that, we're not here to talk about ACC basketball. Um, I'd love to talk about where they're at right now because oh, as, as a longtime rival you know, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, I love seeing them down. No offense to the former Turp, but now you're, now you're all Big Ten with us. So as we're looking at the Big Ten tournament here, um, we'll, we'll talk. obviously have some focus on Illinois. What, what do you think – Illinois' ceiling is with what they can do Thursday, Friday, possibly Saturday. How, how far up can they move down uh, up, and and where where is their po possible floor, in your opinion? I think their realistic ceiling is probably the top of the seven line. I want to say they can get to a six, but just based off the way the committee meets and the way they set the field, I'm just not sure that any games past Friday are going to be considered so even if illinois were to win saturday and sunday i i'm not convinced that, that it, it's going to make a difference in this in the seating i mean the the committee sets the field pretty much finalizes it by saturday afternoon so i, I think like i said i think realistically the top of the seven maybe they could get a six if they you know if they're impressive in their wins and i know they play penn teams, state first but other teams losing in that Let's say Maryland loses to Nebraska, like that could help as well. Like move, kind of bumping the lines there. So, yes, uh, I have Maryland already behind. I already have Maryland behind Illinois. It's, so it was th just that, it's, it's like an example though. Like if Illinois beats Northwestern, like that could help. correct. Yeah, correct. If, if Illinois beat because Illinois Illinois plays Penn State first, is that right? Yes. Yep. That's what I thought. So if Illinois were to beat Penn State and beat Northwestern, then yes, that that alone would already jump one of the teams in front of them. But yeah, I mean, looking ahead, right now, I right now I have Florida Atlantic just ahead of Illinois, but Illinois' potential wins are obviously better than Florida Atlantic's potential wins. Um, and then you know, Missouri, Michigan State, Northwestern, Creighton, and Duke are the teams kind of directly in front of Illinois uh, in terms of who you would be rooting against if you want to so try Creighton, to get that six Duke, line. So Creighton and Duke stumbling early would be helpful too. Yes. Yep. And Missouri. Definitely. Don't forget that one. Always Missouri. We're yeah, always Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, that's fine. What What about the floor? Uh, they go in and they, and they, you know, Penn State does it to them for a third time. Is it? I, I have fans that say Illinois is going to drop to a 10 line. I, I don't think so. I think it's I don't nine. think so. No, the, not the 10 line. It, it would be a nine seed as the floor. But even if you lost, I, I think an eight seed is probably more likely than a nine. But I think the floor is a nine seed. And and some fans don't want to hear that because you know that we would love the 7-10 matchup, honestly. If like six is kind of like, I think, as you were saying, 
we hope that they would watch the Saturday semifinal, which is probably going to be like a Maryland, Indiana type thing. So Illinois would play one of those schools probably in the semis if they get that far. So we would hope that the committee would be watching that. But I think, uh, Jason, if you saw today, they released their criteria as to how they do things. You know, Wednesday they do like a top 25 locks. Then the next day they vote for the next 40, you know, to be in consideration. And then they vote on the next group that they all agree on should be in the field. And then – Friday they start seeding, and then Saturday it's scrubbing and stuff. And when they and explain what scrubbing means, what what does scrubbing it mean? The bracket. It just, it just means that they do a deep dive into every single team and every single team sheet. Now I don't know if they specifically only look at the numbers that are given them, or if they go on. Like most bracketologists will look at uh, as warrennolan.net, but he has a really great website that gives kind of an in-depth team sheet for every single team. I don't know if the committee uses that or if they're just given, you know, the, the metrics, the strength of schedule, all of that. Um, I'm not sure exactly what is at their disposal. But, yeah, basically scrubbing is just doing a deep dive on every single team, every single win, every single loss, and, uh, you know, m- making sure they get it right. Um but there's a good chance that they have a lot of those kind of middle teams, meaning kind of seeds three through 10 by Friday. Right on. And when warrennolan.net, just the first time I've, I've, I've probably heard that, is that, a, is that a free site or is that something you got to pay for? It's a free site. There's two primary sites that I use. One is Bart Torvik under... Okay. If you go to Funalytics and then go to Team Sheet Ranks, that's where you can see all of the metrics and the quad records, and that is an extremely helpful, uh, extremely helpful site. And then, yeah, the other one is Warren Nol or WarrenNolan.com, right. and uh, like he has all of the team sheets. We're gonna delve into a couple things uh, quickly, but the thing, one of the things about the net, Kevin, you can maybe jump in on what. You- you dislike or don't like about it. But to me, it's like Illinois had four or five games this year that they were up by 12 and the opposing team hit a three at the buzzer to make it nine. And that has affected Illinois net by probably four or five positions. It's because Holton special. Yeah. Like Ohio state got us. Rutgers got us. Minnesota got us. It was all double digit leads and then they get that three at literally at the buzzer. And it's like, I think, Kev, you told me, like, that's one net position each time that happens. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating. But, you know what, when you're, when you're going – when you got to have these metrics, there's only so much you can go off of. It's not like you're asking everybody to have the eyeball test for every single team that's out there. The fact of the matter is is that Illinois had games they could have won and they didn't. Uh, if you look at Torvik, and we can talk about this a little bit later, Illinois has two two eighty two games where they scored an eighty five game score in Torvik and lost. Uh, it was at Iowa and at Indiana. I, I've looked at some some sheets there at Torvik, and when you score eighty five uh, eighty five game score, you're probably winning most of the time. There's I, I found Tennessee, I think, and UConn were the only other two teams I was fi- finding as I was searching that had eighty five game scores and ended up losing at least two of them. Um, but they just missed the opportunities. I, they, JBR, we were talking about this in in. Uh, in, in our, our uh, tweet chat that we're in is, you know, Illinois had Illinois had one quad one game in Assembly Hall all season, or State Farm Center, excuse me, all season. And that's kind of, 
it's more indicative of the conference because if you look at the Big 12, every road game this season was a quad one game for those guys. And we, because the conference is, is down as a whole, it's a really deep conference. There's just not a lot at the top. It's going to hurt. And, you're, and, 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 and Jason, you, you've got this in your bracket. I mean, how many Big Ten teams do you have between like the six and the nine line? How many are sitting there? <laughs> Uh, I got Northwestern and Michigan State on the seven line. I have Illinois and Iowa on the eight line, and I have Maryland on the ten line. Maryland on the nine nine line. Nine line. I was about to say, and you're a Maryland guy. You have a ten. Well, that that, that being said, I'm sorry, Ryan. I just want to like go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish up. There's three. There's three certain bubble teams in the conference coming into the tournament: Rutgers, Penn State, Michigan. Uh, do you what, what work do those three teams need to do, in your opinion, to make the tournament? So I, I think Penn State's in the best shape of those three for sure. You know, they kind of have the cleanest resume. Um, they don't have the bad losses the way Rutgers does, and uh, they don't have the low net and predictive metrics that Wisconsin does. But I think Wisconsin. the Penn State – I think if Penn State beats you guys, I think Penn State's in really good shape. I, I wouldn't lock them. Um, I, I'm, I'm I try to be careful with throwing <laughs> throwing out the lock word this time of year, but I would say Penn State w- w- probably has over a eighty percent chance of getting in if they beat Illinois. If they lose to Illinois, they're probably more likely out than in. Um, Rutgers would need to at minimum beat Michigan, and maybe would need to beat Purdue. Um, it's just the bubble's so tight, and there's so many other teams around them, and we don't know how many bid stealers there are that it's kind of impossible to give a concrete answer on any of these teams. But if, if one of those teams would be safe, though, let's say Illinois beats Penn State, let's say Michigan beats Rutgers, and let's say Ohio State beats Wisconsin, I think Penn State, in my opinion, would probably be the safest of the three to feel like – they have no bad losses, and if one of those big, t- it'd be hard to say all those Big Ten teams lose on the bubble and none of them make it. I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? Would you agree with that? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think all of them are going to miss because someone's going to have to get in on, yeah. on the bubble. Um, but yes, if all three were to lose, I would say Penn State has the best chance of getting in, and I would feel pretty confident that Rutgers and Wisconsin would be out if they both lose their first games. Well, and, Michigan's the farthest off. What is, do they need to win the Big Ten tournament, in your opinion? I think if no, I think if Michigan were to beat Rutgers and beat Purdue, I think Michigan would be in. Okay, right on. And you did say that. I'm sorry. It's, and, it's my mind's and, and I and if is it true you think Michigan's going to win the Big Ten tournament? That was my pick. They are playing better. If they can get past Purdue, yeah, then they've got a. They got a shot. Yeah. I mean, I think it's wide open. It's it's wide open. As much as we like to troll them and, you know, relentlessly, um, I think it's hard to disagree with that they're playing really, really well right now. And they easily could have won in Champaign. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they blew a, what, 10, 11 point lead in Bloomington yesterday. Mm-hmm. So um, think about that. They'd be on a what a six seven game win streak had they had they not you know blown the seven point lead in overtime in Champaign. And yes, Illinois blew a seven point lead in regulation. Let's not forget that. So 
But um, and then really, I, I feel like they were in control in Bloomington with like 10, 9, 10 minutes left. I, I was surprised that they blew it. I think, you know, Juwan Howard's biggest thing is like this is such a young team. They don't know how to close and and win these bigger games on the road. So um, uh, you and it's OK to pick Michigan. Kevin, who you got winning the Big Ten tournament? Illinois. Come on. Okay. I, mean, I think Illinois, and it's it's crazy. I think Illinois has a good chance to anybody. I I think that the, the matchups could set up favorably. I I think you know anybody can win. It is a crapshoot. I mean, Jason. I mean, I think I think he's right by to throw out of Michigan there. And you know, I mean, it might not be a bad play for those gamblers out there to make a small play on that because you're going to get a lot of juice there. Uh, but I don't I don't really have any idea what's going to go on in this conference. I mean, Ohio State has the talent to go win a couple of games. Who knows what's going to – I mean – Ohio it, State's it, playing – Ohio State's playing really well right now. So, I even think, in- I think, I think when Mar- – I know Maryland has not fared well outside of College Park, but the athleticism and the guard play and what they can do, just just, just how they can swarm – they just come at you in waves. I, I think they can do that. They, you know, one of my favorite players in college basketball, Dante Scott, so glad that he's not going to be playing anymore, so he doesn't have to stick it to the way like yeah. he has for years. Uh, he probably has one more year, doesn't he, because of COVID? He could, but from what I have heard and read is that he is not expected back in College Park next year. Um, I got one or two more for him, Kev, but really quickly. So with all these teams bunched together, like I think it's – you're not going to have all these big 10 teams be eight and nine seeds. I don't, because then they're going to be playing each other. So you're the, from what I've gathered and you know, this is your specialty that the uh, committee will move a team up and down if they feel necessary. Like let's say Illinois would be an eight seed. They could just say, well, we've got two big 10 teams as nine seeds. Uh, We can put Illinois down as a seven. Like, isn't that something that they do? It's it's possible, and it it definitely could come into play with Purdue being on on the one line. If you have too many Big Ten teams on the eight and nine line, um, it is definitely possible that they could move a Big Ten team uh, that was supposed to be an eight to a seven or a Big Ten team is supposed to be a nine down to a ten. I don't think that that happens that often, but it is possible. Yeah. With that being said, who who are you, who are your four ones number one seeds right now? So right now I have Kansas and then Alabama and then Houston and then Purdue. So UCLA is not and UCLA knocking on the door if there's some stumbles. Very there. close. Yeah, I have a pretty big gap between the top three. So I have the top three pretty much tied: Kansas, Alabama, Houston, and then a pretty big gap from them down to Purdue and UCLA. Um. And no knock on that because, I mean, I get Purdue's had a pretty, pretty good year. But with how great UCLA has been, you know, and it seems like they've been on a roll. And I think they've only lost twice since, like, the end of November because Illinois and Baylor got them in the week around Chris uh, Thanksgiving in uh, in Las Vegas. So they've only lost twice in, like, what, three and a half months or – yeah, so what is it that you don't have them above Purdue? Like, and I get Purdue's lost – five times but they have lost they have really haven't seemed to be the same team of late is it the more quad one win type deal from earlier in the year when they played in the portland up there and the nike invitational what is it for you where they're that you have them over ucla so i i think it's a few different things um first and foremost the order of the games does not matter and i i know people have a hard time 
accepting that, but the committee has said repeatedly every game counts the same, whether it was played in November, whether it was played in January, whether it was played in early March. Um, but the primary differences are Purdue has two more quad one wins. They have two more of the quad one A, which is kind of that top half of quad one. Um, and then I have Purdue as having six more wins versus the projected at-large field, which is a pretty significant difference. And Purdue has five of those wins away from home, whereas UCLA only has two of their uh, at-large wins away from home. So, so what would it take for UCLA to jump Purdue? Purdue losing to Michigan it has to would have to be a, one of it, those. Cor yeah, correct. I mean, if UCLA wins the Pac-12 tournament and Purdue loses before the finals, I, I don't think – I honestly don't think the Big Ten championship has anything to do with seeding unless the automatic qualifier comes into play. I, the bracket <laughs> bracket is long set before the Big Ten championship. Um, so, yeah, as long as Purdue makes it to the championship, I think that they're fine for a one seed. But if they trip up before then, then they're, they're opening up a path for UCLA um, or – possibly um, Texas as well. Texas were to win the big 12 tournament. That's a, that's interesting because I also think, you know, you got to hold hold serve there a little bit on UCLA because their path to the PAC 12 championship game does not really bring into play any full, full for certain NCAA tournament teams because they're on the top half of the bracket where the USC is on that down on the bottom half there with Arizona. So UCLA would even have to draw one of those two, to possibly even add to that tournament field win. So I think I think for hearing Jason talk that through, I think that sits pretty well for Purdue, which going back to the initial question that kind of led to this, does look good for those Big Ten teams who might want to who, who are hoping to slide off that eight nine line. Yeah. Like we're Illinois fans and we're and and and, and I Jason, I'll ask you this as a, as a Maryland fan, if you're looking at that eight nine game, we're both I, I know I talked to a lot of Illinois fans. We really don't want to see Houston. That's the team that just kind of scares the, the crap out of us. Maybe <laughs> a few from last year. Maybe it's the horrors of Kelvin Sampson's past. That would be Illinois luck though, getting Houston two years in a row in the second uh, round. I, I do not want Houston either. That that's the one team I, I do not want any part of. Is it weird for me to say, Kev, I'd like be okay with Kansas because they don't scare me really? Is that? Well, I, think, I, I think Kansas is not playing their best basketball right now as well. Uh, Kansas, I mean, recently, I mean, they're playing like six guys. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're and Grady Dick, Grady Dick's been struggling lately. Jalen Wilson had a stretch where he went 0 of, 0 of 18 from three. So that's one of those ones. Um, Bama is really struggling from the three-point line. You know, it's such a fat. This is going to be such a fascinating tournament because it's not like 2021, where our, even though our beloved were a one seed, I think everybody knew the best two teams in the country that year were Gonzaga and Baylor, and it played out. Um, Jason, when you look at this, and like, I mean, if if you had to, if you had to say, like, I mean, obviously Houston's one of those teams. I mean, who, who would be next for a fear for Maryland or, or or a team you're fairly certain is going to make a nice long run? Yeah. So I mean, th this is something that me and my friends have been discussing in the group chat a lot the last couple of days because you know every time I update my bracket, I send it to them, and you know I keep having Maryland on the eight nine line in Birmingham versus Alabama or Houston. I'm like. I don't know which one's better. I mean, I, you know, it seems like I would rather play Alabama than Houston, but then when you factor in that it's played in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm not sure that that makes it any better knowing that it's going to be, you know, probably 90% Alabama fans and Maryland hasn't exactly fared well with uh, strong, <laughs> strong contingents of the opposing team uh, in the stands. 
So I'm not sure either one really, <laughs> really w would do well versus Maryland. How, um, how do you project? And the whole one, which one seed plays your eight nine? That's just a crapshoot. You like because we so don't. We it's don't not know right now. Is it? It's, it's like it's it's not quite a crapshoot because the committee is going to assign you to the pod that's closest to you that's available when they get to you on the seed list. So a team like Illinois, if they come to you first on the eight line, you are far more likely to get Des Moines than Birmingham, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. basically I'm, it's I don't like have a map in front of me. So if you're the first eight seed, they're saying like, hey, that's gonna go to Des Moines. And if you're the last eight seed, you're gonna go to so I mean, it, it, it depends on the team. You're going to be as long as it as long as it adheres to all of the bracketing principles. So, for example, you know, Illinois or Maryland couldn't be where Purdue is. But as long as it adheres to the bracketing principles, then yes, they are going to assign you to the pod site that's closest to you. Which means for Illinois, it's more likely going to be Des Moines with Kansas as opposed to Birmingham. Whereas for Maryland, it's going to be more likely to be Birmingham than Des Moines because Birmingham is technically closer to College Park, Maryland. And, and we're, we're okay with Des Moines. We, we're cool with that. <clears throat> so, and, and I'm okay with Kansas, to be honest with you. If Illinois gets an 8-9, it doesn't matter how I feel because at the end of the day, we're just people talking about it. So, but if I were to say, Ryan, who do you want? Give me Kansas of all the, the one seeds. I'd be okay with that. Isn't it crazy? Is it crazy to say that? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's okay. I'm. A, I don't want Houston again. I don't because I, it's they're just so different to play. Like, well, speaking, if, it was if it was possible after Sunday, I'd say Purdue, but that's not possible. So, you know. <clears throat> but did you guys that, did you guys play Purdue once or twice? Once. So technically, you could be in the same pod with Purdue. Maryland cannot because Maryland played Purdue twice. And man, you guys gave it to them in Mackey. You are so close to that one. You guys, I think yeah. that, that was. Willard had the formula. I think that was the script that said, "Okay, this is how you beat this team." Is, if you watched that second, runs. did you watch the second half of the Illinois Purdue game, JBR? Um, did I watch? Or were it? you sulking yeah. over yeah. the last? Were you sulking over your last second loss in mm. Happy Valley? Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I was irked though because oh, I was looking at Illinois projections and seeding. I'm like, okay, we're getting blown out in West Lafayette. Okay, uh, so let's turn the we channel. Were go Terps. We were go Terps. Yeah, we because we're like, okay, if Maryland holds on, Illinois is assured out of the eight nine game. Okay, they got this. Up nine, just don't leave open threes, and it's fine. Oh, here's Miles Dredd who hasn't made three one straight open three threes, and, we, and, yeah. and a foul. Yep. Hey, just don't leave Funk open. Okay. All right. I'm like, oh my, ugh. What is it? I want to know from your perspective because Maryland played Penn State twice too, right? Yes. You guys got them in, in, in College Park, so and you guys yep. played really good that game. What is it that makes it so difficult to with Jalen Pickett, and where did you guys find success in your win? Because this will come into play for Illinois fans because we are just so jaded because they couldn't miss against Illinois in either game. <laughs> and I'm watching some of these games – uh, Seth Lundy's like 0 for 15, 0 for 14 against Northwestern. I'm, just, I'm like, yeah, and I'm just like, they could, they were close, they were shooting them one like this against <laughs> us, you know. And I'm like, oh, it, it was like cash money. Here's here's Funk off a screen, like from 
Coleman Hawkins in his face from 26 feet, all all net. You know, Jaden Pickett's hitting fadeaways from 25 feet. So what was it that you guys did that maybe Illinois could try? Because I'm thinking <laughs> doubling Pickett might be necessary on Thursday. Pick, I mean, Pickett played very well against us in College Park, but the biggest thing is you have to defend the three-point line. If they're not hitting threes, I think they're very beatable, but – it it only takes two it only takes two defensive lapses and you got a six zero run and it just like it flips the momentum just so quickly and that's exactly what happened uh, at Penn State yesterday. Yeah, and so like and that's that's the thing that scares me though. Like, hey, just defend the three point line, and we're like, okay, well we will, and yeah. then Pickett will get in the lane, and then somebody will come help collapse. And then you got Lundy and Dread and Funk, you know, and then they just start making them. So I, well, I got I one, hold on, Ryan. I want one quick question. I think uh, this would be my last one for Jason. Then we could let him go. I know you probably have another one. All right. We're talking about bid stealers because that changes a lot. Who, uh, what conferences are, 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 do we see, you know, and those are normally coming out of mid majors typically where you're adding somebody It doesn't happen in the high major conferences too often. Uh, I know we, we've seen Colorado or, uh, Oregon State, uh, somebody went on a run last year. Oh, Vatek might have been. A, I don't know if that was a bid steal or not, but it might have been. Um, who, who do you – like, is is F, FAU's a lock so that they don't need to win their conference tournament? Like, what, what F- conference is Yeah, FAU is a lock. They do not need to win the conference USA tournament. I locked them after their win Saturday night. Um, so definitely Conference USA, and then besides that, it's really just the power conferences. The mid-majors really did not produce at-large caliber teams this year. Um, I don't think we're going to see one out of the Mountain West Conference. I think one of the t- one of the top three teams are going to win it between San Diego State, Utah State, and Boise State. Um, but Nevada could fix it, maybe. Nevada, yeah, Nevada is one that I was wondering because they love kinda... that. I love that conference. If you if you're not watching Mountain West basketball, uh, I don't I, I really enjoy I really enjoy watching Mountain Mountain West conference as well. It's it's some fun basketball. They're they're passionate out there, and it's a lot of times it's the only games on at eleven o'clock at night Eastern time. And I love Tim Miles, so I'm glad he's doing. Oh well. man, yes. he got he got a raw deal on Lincoln though. I mean, I get. He's still here. I mean, it's like I get Hoiberg's got it turned around, looks like possibly in year, what, five, uh, year four. But, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, they made the tournament. Then they won 25 games the year before he got fired. And they missed the tournament because they didn't have enough quad one wins. You know, I think they finished fourth in the Big Ten that year. Yeah, you know, it's like, when were they doing that ever in Nebraska? And then the year he got fired, our Trent Frazier hit, like, this crazy circus one-handed, you know, wild shot that beat him in Champagne to, like, knock him out of the tournament or whatever, and then he gets canned. And I'm like, it's Nebraska ball here. You know what I mean? Like, you guys yep. want miracles? Tim, and look, Tim Miles is going to have, what, 20, 21 wins at San Jose State this year? Close, close. Knocking on the door of 20, yeah. Yeah. So, my last – go ahead, Kev. You got one more? Go ahead. No, I, I was actually going to ask if Jason might want to join us in, for, in the fall for uh, – to join us for our preview show before uh, Maryland Illinois football. I know you're a buckets fan. You also a football fan? Uh, yes, I am. I, I'm definitely more into college basketball than college college football. But yeah, I, I mean, I try to watch every uh, every Maryland football game. We'd love to have you back for for a Terps Illinois preview uh, as we, we sure next. So it'd be fun. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so for me, just so for the viewers watching, because I know some came on and have not. 
you your final let's get since we don't know what's going to happen what is your final projection for the big 10 teams to how do you see it playing out and who do you think just misses out and who who's going to make it on the bubble from the big 10 all right let me switch my switch my spreadsheet back to the big 10 here there we go That's so we got predictor. yeah we, so we have we have set we have seven big 10 teams that are locked and then we have four that are on the bubble between penn state Rutgers, wisconsin and michigan um, I will say that the Big Ten ends up getting nine in. Um, I think Penn State gets in win or loss versus Illinois, although I think it will be very close. And then I think someone between Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Michigan will play their way, way in. Obviously, Rutgers and Michigan play each other. Um, so that knocks but, one out. So that's 10 possible because one of them is not going to make it if they one of whoever loses. Um, correct. Yep. From that matchup. Yeah. So and what? So it and and even though it's hard to believe because all the Big Ten teams um, get, it seems the Big Ten conference gets railed on every year. Having ten teams, would you feel like that would be appropriate though for how good the league is competitive wise? I mean, made a lot of middling teams, not a lot of great teams. Yeah, ten's a big number. I, I'm not sure that the league should be getting ten in, but they they should be getting at least eight in. I mean, it, it it is a good league. It's it's always been a league, you know, at least the last five years that's just been very deep. They've got a lot of good teams. They just uh, we're, you know, we're a little inconsistent at, at great teams. Who's the who's the second highest seeded Big Ten team in your bracket right now? Indiana. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Are they yeah, four seeds? Four. Yeah, I have Indiana at fifteen overall, so they are a low end four seed. And then, and then after that, would are we into the seven line? Yeah, we go straight to the seven line with Northwestern and Michigan State, and then the eight line with Illinois and Iowa, and the nine line with Maryland. And then, and then we're talking about teams. It'd be interesting to see if we get a couple Big Ten teams in Dayton. That would be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a good chance we get one in Dayton. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So if Illinois, let's say Illinois, if they get to the semis. What? How? Okay, so if the select my. This is my last one. So if Illinois, if they're not, the committee's really not looking at much at the semifinal game. What would be your key scenario for Illinois to jump to a six? How would that play out for you? They would need some teams in front of them to lose. I think um, lose early. You know, because if if those other teams are also making it to the semifinals, then you're not really going to jump them, assuming they're picking up quality wins as well. So, so the best way to is to win definitively, and then and then hope those teams that you're talking about lose lose early. Lose early, right? Because I mean, if if Creighton makes it to the Big East tournament final, you're not jumping them. If Duke makes it to the ACC tournament final, you're not jumping them. If TCU makes it to the Big Twelve tournament final, you're not jumping them. You know, so it it really just depends on the other teams in front of them, which is why I, I kind of lean towards with the Big Ten tournament being basically the last tournament and. Uh, and the amount of teams in front of you currently, I think it would be difficult to get to the six line. But a seven, a seven is definitely in play. So um, Illinois beats Northwestern. They have a really good shot to be a seven seed. Yes, I would be very surprised if you were anything lower than a seven if you beat Penn State and Northwestern. I agree with that. Okay, so it's all in front of them there, and that's that's yeah. great to hear. That is really great to hear, man. Thanks for always uh, being, you know, uh, replying back to us and giving us your take and again sure. they can follow you at jbr bracketology on twitter man we appreciate you absolutely thanks for having me this was fun good luck oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just, a few, just fans talking basketball and, and an expert so it's awesome appreciate you yep yes sir 
Um, <clears throat> he was like, I'm getting off here. No, I don't blame him. We took him longer than it was supposed to. So, so here's here's some scenarios to look at. Uh, Missouri most likely is going to get Tennessee in the first round. So that's tough for them to even look at as a bad loss, but I think they can lose that one. Um, Creighton's got a tough matchup. I was looking at that bracket today. Um, I'm trying to pull this up here. Uh, but I, I, listen, what he talked about with Duke and TCU, I, I did. I got a buddy of mine in my office. We we picked all the uh, the Power Six conference tournaments, and I had TCU and um, and Duke winning their respective conferences. So it's I think it's going to be a little bit difficult to, to get a. I think Missouri losing is a high possibility in earlier in their tournament, and us beating Northwestern. I think that gives Illinois a really good. Got to bump a few teams there and get to the seven seed. Personally, that's what I feel. And, and Nova could be a bid stealer out of the Big East. The team still has a lot of talent. They haven't played well. They most likely will get Creighton and in, in, in for Creighton's first game. They could beat Creighton. That would help. That would help our cause. Like we said, that was great to have him on. I think the key here moving forward is just win. Right? Illinois just has to beat Penn State and need to beat Northwestern, or else we're we we lose that first game. We're just we just know where we're at. We're fully solidly on the eight nine line and hoping to win a game to play a one seed. And everything that I've seen, they really like matching us up with Houston, but we'll see what that works out. Uh, I just feel like, a, you know, I just feel, for some reason, Kev, I feel like Illinois and Kansas is going to happen if Illinois can't get past uh, Penn State was, or Northwestern. Yeah, I was there the last time that happened. We were 8-9 matchup against UNLV and Tulsa beat UNLV and then lost to the Morris. That was a hell of a game against the Morris Twins. Illinois actually was in it really – it was a close game. Yeah, we were too late, and then they pulled away. It was like 72-56 with the final or something. But, um, but and, and again, call me crazy. I don't. I think Illinois has the length and actually team who – Kansas doesn't have a dominant big, really. So, like, I'm not – there's not some hunter giving you 35 or Trace yeah. Jackson, TG, TJD dominating you on the glass. That's why Kansas, to me, has never been like – Oh my God! There's no way Illinois could compete with them. Illinois has shown you they can compete with the best. Of course, is it? Are they going to play 40 minutes? But Kevin, it's that way in the eight nine game. Is Illinois going to play 40 minutes? So that's why I'm not saying that because yeah. you know it's like it doesn't matter. Illinois has to play 40 minutes no matter who they play. So if they can do that, there's no reason they can't beat a one seed. There's so many things that like I look back on Sunday yesterday and that they. Admit, like so, so we get blitzed early, eleven nothing before you can blink, and oh, once again we got guys on heaters, of uh, Braden Smith and, and Brandon Newman in the first half. I mean those guys had something like fourteen and fifty, they had twenty nine points in the first half, and, and Smith hadn't hit that many threes all year. I don't think. I know Newman. I mean you saw you saw the way Brandon Newman shoots in the second half. I mean that was just like what's going on. At least that one came back to earth. But one of the things I was really excited about is if you look at the next, so so we get blitz eleven nothing, and then the next thing you know it's like twenty five twenty, and I put this on Twitter today, that we 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 made adjustments to that point, and I know everybody like at that point we 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 made the adjustments that were needed to get us back in the ball game, and they called a foul on Coleman Hawkins on an eighty turnaround. It's the one where Terrence Shannon probably goaltended it right. And would yeah. much rather have had no foul on a goaltend. Would much rather have given him two points and not had Coleman Hawkins pick up his second foul. It's on my Twitter. You go look at it. I don't think it was a foul. I don't understand how it was a foul. I don't understand how it was a foul called in a game like that. And that what happens after that point, they went on a 22-6 to run to close the half because 
we went back to Dane. We went to leave. It was just moments like we just – our defense was the best with Coleman Hawkins in the five, with guys crashing and helping. And us on offense being – we only scored six points in that last six minutes, was able to pull Edie away from the basket to allow us to do something. With Dane, Dane could do nothing with Edie. So when as long – if Edie was in the game, it really killed us. But as you saw the adjustments, and then we continued with those adjustments in the second half, and we beat the – we beat, we beat them pretty good in the second half. I don't know if we ran into tired legs. I think we just made some mistakes. And playing at Mackey is really tough. And we, But I was so encouraged by that game. I know a lot of Illinois fans are down. Like, oh, we lost a game. But, dude, we, we lost the game to a top five team on the road. Like, in the but, top, arguably the toughest environment in the Big Ten. Had you know? the game ended at halftime, I would have, have agreed. I would have been disappointed. Yeah, but that's why you play two halves. And – Illinois was far and away the better team in the second half. And we're, getting, just, and we're getting increments. Like we're getting a little more RJ every game. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting. And how good, good? Hey, how well did Luke Goody play yesterday? It was incredible. How, how good was Sincere Harris on offense? Are you kidding me? I, Those I two rebound putbacks were incredible, man. He is such a. He's just so fierce and tenacious. Love like him. and and him and Rogers on the press are nasty. Love like. Him. Those, those dudes are like long athletic athletes that are just. The, the one challenge we had, and kudos to Painter, is when, when Rodgers was in the game is he put Edie on Rodgers. And it's just, it just you can, like with Dane and Rodgers on the floor or Dane and Rodgers and Harris, you just lose so much shooting there that it that it, it really mucks things up. I did like it more when, when you know, I love Rodgers on the defensive side of things. I would like to see what we could have done more with our best five on offense at times. But, I mean, it's part of the ball game, you know, Brad Underwood adjusted. He, he adjusted. Uh, he does that a lot, uh, whether people like it or not. If you want to be mad at four consecutive 21 seasons, what would have been four consecutive tournaments for the first time since early 2000s because I'm a guy who inherited a program that missed the tournament for six consecutive seasons, whatever. The guy does make adjustments. There's just – dude, I go back to this. We have three guys that played legitimate, real significant minutes in college basketball before this season – None of them had ever been the man on the team in the college basketball ranks. And so it's 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 a challenge. But I agree with what Coleman Hawkins says. I think there's something coming together. And I know I've been the biggest optimist and I'm the biggest I'm the bullish on this team. But I I was excited to see Penn State. I think those guys are gonna be fired up and ready to take them on. And I might be crazy, but I like our chances. Yeah, and um I always try to take my shots at the Twitter folk who Always railing on Brad Underwood. Oh, he doesn't make adjustments. He doesn't. He has no X and O's. He needs an X and O guy. He's just not it. You know. Oh, he, I'm. And like I tweeted, go watch overtime of the Michigan game. Uh, when they were down seven, he's calling plays right to Coleman. Like, come here. And he was like, come on, bring it this way. I want. And and you. I'm like, what's he doing? We're down seven. Like they they're not doing anything. Okay, so Coleman Hawkins brings the ball towards the bench. A nice pick handoff to get Shannon going 90 miles an hour off the pick to force Harris to foul. He gets an and one, boom, it's four. What do they do again? They do it from the different side, get him going, head of steam, boom, what's he do? Hits Rodgers when Harris collapses to him, leaves the baseline open for a layup, boom. It's a two-point lead. Here you go, Maddie. Yeah, it's a. It's and um, and then okay, it's a two-point game, right? Illinois needs a stop. They get it. They go down, and guess what? Here we go again. Now let's go to the other side, as we did earlier. Boom, head of steam. What? Shannon gets up and under pump fake foul tie game, 
if did they think that the, did they think the team just came up with that themselves? You know what I mean? Like those were perfect action he drew up to what he knew we'd get an easy or bucket, a high percentage bucket. Go to RJ's three against Northwestern. We're we're down sixteen in the second half, and we 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 we, we shrunk the lead to four. They went on a 12-0 run, break it out to 16. He runs a play for RJ, gets him a shot towards the top of the key, nothing but net. It stemmed the tide. It changed the game. I mean, yeah, they're they're and listen, hey, this is the other thing that drives me nuts, man. And people got to understand this. The other guys are the other guys on the other side of the floor. They're on scholarship too. They got scouts. The guy, the guy, the guy holding the clipboard there. He has a seven-figure salary too. And in this conference, every one of those guys holding the clipboard is pretty damn good. Right, it's pretty damn good. When Ben Johnson's the guy you're questioning, and I think Ben Johnson's actually a fairly decent coach. You know, well, Michael Shrewsbury's a good. Co- I mean, like it's it's tough. So like, Michael Shrewsbury's a really good coach, man. I mean, let me tell you, ask Ra- Raphael da- Raphael Davis from Big Ten Network. He loved shoes. That was his guy. Yeah. Um, and he's a he's a he's a Matt Painter understudy. You don't think that dude knows ball? And Brad Stevens too, right? Yeah, Brad Stevens at Butler. I mean, he knows ball. So. Um. Yeah, it's a well scouted league, and you listen to some of these common. Uh, if you listen to Seth Greenberg, um, at the Illinois Michigan game, they were talking about Illinois, uh, the Big Ten, and they said it's the most well scouted league in the country. Yeah, yeah. He's that. That's why it's a dogfight. That's why they cannibalize itself. It's like that's. It's just that well scouted, and like they're so ready to get out of Big Ten play when it's over. You know, I don't know if I buy the whole they're all they beat each other up so much they can't have success in March. I think it has a little bit to do with the officiating. I also think it has a little bit to do with the luck of the draw. I mean, from Illinois' perspective, last year it didn't help any. This is uh, this is this is this has been my take with this entire team, this entire season going forward, and we'll see what's going to play out. Illinois' team last year was better constructed to win the Big Ten, and they did that. And they were not constructed for a long March run. You had one reliable score. You did not have a lot of length. You had very little athleticism. The guys that you were asking to bring in length and athleticism were young. Um, the guys who were old were, were, were small or one-trick ponies on offense especially. This team is not built, in my opinion, to win in the league very well. This team is built, in my opinion, to win in March. And I do believe that a team with Coleman Hawkins at the five is going to cause teams problems in the NCAA tournament when you start, if you get an ACC team or, you know, a Pac-12 team, or I don't know who we're going to get matched up with, a Big East team, in the, in the if we get an 8-9 or a We could get Florida Atlantic in round one and then get Kansas or, or uh, Houston or Alabama in round two, or Illinois could be a seven seed and get um, – Nevada is a 10. I mean, you never know. Uh, who I'm looking at some of the 10s. I think Boise's a 10. And then for a two seed, it's looking like Baylor, um, UCLA, Texas. And Marquette is looking like it could sneak in if it wins the Big East or has a big run that Marquette could be a two seed. I personally would be okay with that. I would be okay with Marquette. I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay, okay with Baylor. Baylor's allergic to guarding people. So that's uh... – and that's crazy for a Drew team, but um, they can score. They can score. They got three guards yeah. flat out. Put the ball. Illinois in. got 
always got length and you know what Dane and and um, Matthew Meyer I think they know how Baylor plays really well so yeah and um, we'll, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a uh, you know this will be something we jump into more of the selection Sunday but if you listened earlier you listen to Jason he is an expert he knows what he's talking about there's a level of it that we're playing with house money right now yeah we could move up a seed line maybe to the six. But literally, there's zero difference, in my opinion, between the six and the seven right now. The difference between the twos and threes is minimal on the seed line. The difference between the seven, the ten and the elevens are going to be minimal. Um, actually, you know, as a six seed, you're going to there's, there's a real high probability that you're going to play an eleven seed that's already played a game in Dayton, and most of those teams end up winning one more game. So that's a little bit of like, eh, maybe we do want to be on the seven line. Um, so it's house money right now. Illinois is on the eight nine line by just about everybody's everybody's sights. Jason told us you want to get to the seven line, win a couple games, and then whatever. And, and that's and it's very doable. I mean, matchup wise, I know Illinois struggled against Penn State. I won't harp on this too much more. It's not a Penn State preview show, but I'm just gonna find it really hard to believe, Kevin, that Penn State's just gonna be nuclear against us again. They're gonna do it again three times, three times, yeah, and and they can't even do it once against some of these other teams. So I just find that hard to believe. I also feel like Illinois knows that there's nothing to lose. It's a new season, and why can't they play well against Penn State? Because to be honest with you, offensively, Illinois played really well in Happy Valley. Yeah, they did. They did I mean, defensively. It wasn't, it wasn't like they didn't score enough points. When you're scoring over 80 points, I think you had a good night. Yeah, so, Illinois, rarely, Illinois rarely loses when they score that many points. So, yeah, you're exactly right. And then – and then the other thing we're not talking about is I, I do if Jaden Epps is okay, like that's the biggest caveat. Okay, if Jaden Epps head is okay, and we don't know, right? Like, and, and nor should we know. Um, there's a there's a level of this that you know if you listen to Mike Latulip, he's worried about Jaden's uh, legs, especially on his three point shot. Is that it, it might help him bounce back from three? You know, it might might help his outside shot if, if and when he comes back if he's healthy. Um, his dad's posted on Twitter today. I, I hope that's a good sign. I know. I'm like, is that like a return tweet? You know, because that's what everybody's thinking. Um, I hope so. But I can also, I can also say that. Um, hold on a second. Oh, okay. All right. So I, our boy Brad Sturdy just tweeted that Kendall Gill's son Phoenix Gill will be playing in Champaign this weekend. Saint Ignatius beat Grace Lake. And nice. double overtime, so they'll be at the state tournament. By the way, I was told I told you his he's going to be in a line eye, so <laughs> and that kid's that kid's good. He's twenty twenty five, so yeah, so he's a sophomore. I heard yeah, it's yep. seventeen and five tonight. Yeah, yeah. So he's um just a year younger than Merez Johnson. So and I can't wait for that kid to get to Champagne. Uh, can't wait for DGL to dunk on somebody. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, but uh, so Monty Hansberry and his go go gadget arm. We're gonna. The final thing here, well, we have final thoughts, but we're going to get to all Big Ten, just our – we're not going to do every single one, but we're going to throw a few out there. I put mine on Twitter. The Coleman-Hawken hate sometimes is crazy too because uh, you're looking around like, what did he do? What's he done? He scored six points, had nine rebounds, blah, blah, blah. Why is Brad praising him so much? Like, Kev, explain what you – yeah, explain to everybody why Brad's been praising him so much. Um, like, people get frustrated with the pump fake stuff and, 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 and like people get frustrated with them sh passing on shots. 
the same people who bitch at him about taking shots. So, so first of all, if that's you, your point is, is irrelevant. Okay. Yes. I think we would all like to see him score a bit more, but he does such an amazing job at facilitating the offense. And he is so flexible as a defender. He, he guarded boo booey the last possession and got a block shot to win that game. He guarded Zach Eady basically for 29 minutes on set Sunday and had a plus 12 and Eady had a minus 10. What he about 49 with uh, how many minutes did he guard? 49 against Michigan. Yeah. And dude, and Hunter had a great, when we stopped doubling Hunter, so don't, and, and, and Coleman will be the the best wall up in the post but he does so many unique things he made a drive yesterday and i thought this was fascinating and, and what, what's happening for him is that watch him the game is starting to slow down i don't remember the last time he got a charge like he's doing little things so he he uh pumped fake e went around went to drive jenkins popped up in his face and was going to take a charge coleman came to a two hand two foot stop instead of charging kicked the ball out got the ball back juked Edie again and then found RJ for a two-hand dunk and it was like it was just he just does the little things like that that help the team win I think the problem with him is that people see he's the third best player on the team you could say that you could look at all Big Ten stuff and people expect the third best player on the team to like have 13 14 points and he is demonstrative demonstrative I understand that Coleman Hawkins has never had a foul called on him in his life according to him I get that about Coleman but he's a fiery dude he just plays with passion and that's okay as a guy who played the same way like I was intense like I was I'm a, I was a yeller and screamer to the point that drove my friends nuts sometimes playing but like I, I get it I I, I I think he's had a really good season. I think he could use another season coming back. I would love oh my it. Oh, goodness. Oh, I, I know. And you know what's crazy is I don't know if before the season, there's there's a bunch of fans that were like, oh, good riddance. I hope he leaves. I don't care if he comes back. I think, man, it what it would be like if he doesn't come back. I think. He ran a point guard for us in the second half. Yeah, I think, man, obviously Illinois would be a lot better if he does come back. That's for sure. Um, but, um yeah, so we'll, we'll transition out of that. Um, I, I appreciate what Coleman brings to the table, and um, I the only thing I can say too about the pump fakes, I don't mind the pump fakes when the guys he's covered. That's great. I I know though that Brad wants him to shoot it if he's open, and yes. I get, and I get he's trying to create and be super unselfish, and you love it, but he's capable to hit open ones. So the only time I do tweet or get upset about it is when he's pump faking when there's a guy like seven feet away. I'm like, just shoot it, brother. I'm like, let it rip, baby. Like, I'm, I have confidence he can make them. So uh, that, that that's it. I just – if he knew that there's a bunch of people out here that do believe in him and that we have confidence in him. Yeah. You know? So, anywho, um, with all Big Ten stuff, we'll, we'll talk about this for a couple minutes. Uh, I have Chris Collins as the coach of the year. Would, would, do you agree or disagree? I disagree. Okay. All right. Um, I I'm am only – and, and, okay. and I'm going to give you why I have Chris Collins. And I'm going off this, the premise of what the Big Ten seems to award. Oh, yeah. Re he's going to win it. Okay. That, and I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying with the Ryan picks. I'm just going off what I think is going to happen. So um, the coach of the year will be Chris Collins, and it's only because – they were picked either 13th or 14th, I think maybe last. They're 13th. The yeah, reason why and I can't say it's Chris Collins is because I hate Northwestern. Okay. The award. I, but I, I, I'm not going to say it, so Matt Painter. Okay. And I can – you know what? And I can respect it. This is a show I, for the fans, man. 
Yeah, that's right. We do this for the fans. We're putting on for you guys. Uh, um, so we have that. He has Matt. I think that the media and the coaches are all picked Chris Collins um, because Brad Underwood. Let's be honest, uh, Kev. Brad Underwood should have at least should have at least one under his belt by now. Yeah, doesn't have any because Illinois has always been picked in the second or third range. So when Illinois either wins it or gets second, that's not good enough. So Chris Collins is going to win it. Now, freshman of the year, I'm going to we're going to do a little switch it up a little bit. I know it seems like Jalen Hood Shafino, but I think Bryce Sensabaugh uh is is going to win the freshman of the year. I think it's going to be Shafino. I think the reason being just like the kind of the same stuff you talked about before, it's a second place team in the conference. All right, Northwest. No, third. Indiana's the second highest seeded team in the conference. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say Shafino. Shafino also hit a dagger against Michigan late. He's been big, and he's had some games where he went away. I think it's easier for a guy like Sensabaugh to go score 18 on a team that goes four and 16 in conference or whatever they do. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair too. I know that. I think. Um, I think the kid from Nebraska should have won it last year, but he didn't because he was on a bad Nebraska. Yeah, so Bryce McGowan should have won it last year, but he didn't because he was on Nebraska. So fair point. I, I'm, I stick with Sensible because I think he was the best freshman, and I think some coaches will vote for that. Um, but um, we'll move on to player of the year. And while I th- personally, as I tweeted, Kevin, think Trace Jackson Davis is should win the player of the year, I think they're going to give it to Zach Eady because they've given it to Zach Eady since they played in the Portland tournament, uh, the Nike Invitational. It seems it's almost like the whole Garza, Garza, Io thing when even though Io was getting like multiple triple doubles and stuff, it was like, but Garza scored 23 and 12. It's like, okay, he's been doing that all year. I know. Oh, but Io just had another triple double. But but Garza put up twenty two and eleven on Penn State. Okay, we know. It's okay. Oh, but Garza is the best player in the Big Ten. We just want to tell you guys that it's all Garza. Okay, well Io just had twenty five and twelve on Wisconsin, and doesn't that doesn't matter? Okay. So to me, it's like the narrative has been forced down your throat. It's going to be Zach Eady. So it'll be Zach Eady. It's tough because. The Big Ten, I believe, when they look at these things, is supposed to look at Big Ten-only results. And I think that Zach Eady is, without question, the national player of the year. His numbers, he's on a number one seed, as we talked about before, maybe a number two seed. But this is all Big Ten selections. But if you look at only Big Ten games, Zach Eady averages 21.9 points per game. Trace Jackson, 21.8. Zach Eady's averaging 0.7 rebounds more. Uh, but Trace Jackson Davis leads the conference in block shots. Uh, he's got a far more assists. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know what his assist numbers are. I would have to pull down. Oh, but way, yeah, way more. Um, it's just, yeah. Trace Jackson Davis is averaging four. He's fifth in the conference in assists at 4.7. Well, think about that too. It's, you know, he's been, uh, it's just been, to me, to been me though, to me, he affects the game at a higher clip, and that's because he not only can score and grab rebounds, he's not, you know, he's blocking shots, he's altering yeah. them at the rim way more than Edie, 
mm-hmm. and he's uh, setting up his teammates. It's, so, it's weird because we're looking at, at Big Ten only stats. Jalen Pickett is also in that conversation. So it's weird. Yeah, I mean, and guess what, Pickett's though? 56% from the floor. <laughs> and he's been nuts, too, man. I mean, yeah. he's a lock first team all Big Ten. So. Oh, 100%. I mean, he, uh, he, leads, he leads the conference in assists. So, and if you look at that though, and then someone laid that out to somebody, you're supposed to look at Big Ten numbers for the Big Ten team, and you put those together though, and they let's just put them head to head the points, blocks, it's, assists, it's, it's rebounds. Still, it's still, it still goes easy by, by the smaller margin than people give it credit for. But I mean, blocks and rebound, I mean, blocks and assists. You know what I mean? Right, but but has got him in points and rebounds and field goal percentage. And then well, let's look at head to head too. How that? How did they fare when they played each other? Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Indiana two, Purdue nil. So that's why I got uh, TJD, but it's gonna go to Ed. So first small Big Ten, Ed, TJD, Pickett. Bowie, Murray. Yep. Okay. I have trade easiest easiest five I think there's been in a while. There's no. I have Terrence Shannon Jr. missing out narrowly behind Boo Bowie is a second teamer. Yeah. Um, and then I have Matthew Meyer as a third team All Big Ten because how he played in the Big Ten this year, he deserves to be on one of those teams. I agree. I mean, if if Matthew Meyer gets left off the third team All Big Ten. It's a travesty because if you look um, at his big, yeah, he, he's been Illinois. He was Illinois' best player many, many games in the Big Ten. I mean, so, you're going to leave him on. I mean, he's the 13th leading scorer in the conference. Uh, he's up there in rebounds. He's up there in blocks. Uh, he's the fifth leader in blocks. Um, yep. You know, it's just, I think he's earned his way onto a minimum of a third team. I, I kind of maybe lean the second team. Yeah, um, and him and Shannon together on that. And you know what? I think Hawkins should get consideration for the third team. I do do as well, but my, my, my second team my second team would be Terrence, Jameer Young, Hunter Dickinson, uh, Matt Meyer. Nobody, nobody from Wisconsin, yeah. No, nobody from Rutgers. Um, nobody um, else from they, – they're going to give Chase Oddies one of those teams. Well, he's going to uh, win Defensive Player of the Year, so. Who? Adish. Wow. I, you don't think McConnell will get it again? No, I think Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Eady should get it, but I, they, they seem to be in – there's this Northwestern love bias for Chase Adish. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Being Defensive Player of the Year, I could see Trace Jackson Davis deservingly get that. Nobody affects defense, and I know people talk about the metrics, in my opinion, in the Big Ten, more than Zach Eady. He's the best rebounder. He blocks – a number of shots, but he also has people that just are afraid. They just he just shuts off the driving lanes, and he's also allowed to stay in the lanes for five to six seconds. But that's a different conversation offensively. Um, <laughs> um, so, anywho, real to finish up your final thought for this week show and heading into the tournament, Kev. House money, man. Like just just enjoy the basketball. Uh, we've got a minimum of three games left. Uh, two games left this season. Sorry. Yeah. Um, we got a minimum of two games left. It's, I love, this is my favorite, absolute favorite time of the year. Soak it in, enjoy it. Uh, if we lose Thursday, it will suck, but it's not a big deal. Um, 
if we lose the following Thursday or Friday, it'll suck, but the program's still in a great spot. Yeah. Um, and just to carry piggyback off that, the program is in a wonderful place, and it's okay to, for a down year to be a 20, 21, 22 win year. That's pretty good. I think most programs would uh, would love to be there. So, Hey, one other thing, Ryan. We didn't talk much about it. The Big Ten women fared fairly well, lost to a good Maryland team. Maryland, Maryland had kind of had our number this year. Um, they had a really good season. They were ranked a couple times. They're going to be on that 8-9 line. Uh, yeah. all the, all, they have really poor metrics. They don't have wins that stand out. Their best win of the season is Iowa, which is a great win. It was at home. Yeah. They had really great chances to beat Indiana and Ohio State on the road, which would have been fantastic, but they didn't. They also have a really ugly loss early in the season. I think it was the day we played Northwestern. They lost uh, football. They lost to DePaul. So the women will be on most likely the 8-9 line. If you're there, you just – you're probably going to see South Carolina and that's going to suck. So or South Carolina or LSU, but, uh, but either way, you know what? Illinois has a chance. Me. Illinois has a chance to win that first game, a real good chance and to advance and do something they haven't done in what? 20 years. years. Yeah. So applaud Shauna green, applaud this team. They're fun to watch. And you know what? The last thing about the women is they're all going to be back next year. Hey, how about this one? If Matt Painter's not the coach of the year, then and, and Chris Collins is, then why wasn't Shauna Green? Oh my, we could have a ten minute debate on here about that. Oh, what? All so there's some know it all fans that were like, "What well, she's done with this program in Indiana, she deserves it." It's not about what she did with the program over four years. It's about one year. And what I heard one stat about Shauna Green last night that. Oh, that's the mo 14 point win differential is tied for second in the history of like women's basketball in from in one season, a 14 win differential. So that means if she wins one more game, I think she'll tie the most wins ever in a program's history. And that doesn't deserve coach of the year. Oh my, don't even get me going. All right. So one week, the big 10 tournament starts Wednesday um, ACC tournament starts tomorrow, so tons of fun things to uh, yeah. Good for us degenerates get up in the morning. You got like Georgia Tech and Boston College and Louisville. And yeah, somebody call off sick. Just tell your wife you got like strep or something, and uh, stay home and watch hoops all week. I, I would if I could. Yeah, I used to pull that stuff all the time. Mom, I'm sick. All right, peace out. Swami out. I L L. I and I. That was fun.